Welcome, 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 everybody, to episode number two of the Street Bullies. I am Derek Bob, my co-host. What's going on? John Gove over here. How's it going, everybody? It's going well, man. It's been an interesting week in Flyers hockey, that's for sure. Um, What say you about that? (laughs) I hate the Islanders, man. (laughs) (laughs) I hate the Islanders. So I might as well tell people now, and then they can yell at me on uh, Twitter or on the reviews. I live in Long Island, New York. That doesn't mean that I don't know about the Flyers, boys and girls, so calm down. So anyway... (laughs) The fan base around here, obviously, is the Islanders, and they are just the worst because they are one of the most irrelevant franchises in all of hockey, and most of the time, this fan base just hides behind a rock, and every once in a while, they'll go to secret meetings with other Islander fans, but when they start to do good, they are all super fans, and they love their team, and they love talking trash about everybody, so... It, they're just annoying. So I love the fact that we beat up on them twice in one week. You know, this sounds eerily familiar to a team uh, that resides on the western side of the state as well, of, of the state that I live in, which is Pennsylvania. I mean, right. doesn't that sound a little eerily similar? Yeah, well, at least that team wins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's I, true. I get it. The Islanders won four cups in the 80s, and the Flyers haven't won, you know, since the 70s. But at least we've made the postseason. You know, I mean, the Islanders are good like every, I don't know, seven years. Or yeah, and we weren't throwing jerseys at Richards and Carter when they came back to Philly either. So that's a plus. Right. On pizza, <laughs> like on pizza store signs, there were like, John Tavares, you're not allowed to come here. He's not coming to your pizza place, dude. Calm down. Yeah, I highly doubt he's going to get some deep dish there. You know, that's that's pretty – everybody knows that. <laughs> you don't it's get... not like he's no – Time out. 30-second timeout. Okay. You don't get deep-dish pizza in New York, my friend. That's Chicago. Uh, whatever, man. I just I just know York, Pennsylvania pizza. Oh, is that an actual thing? <laughs> is that just Ilios? It's not an actual thing. My first ever job, I was a busboy at a pizza shop, and I still to this day swear it's some of the best pizza I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have to get you over here and change that then. Teach you the old <laughs> New York fold. Oh, I know the fold. Uh, I definitely know the fold. <laughs> But okay, so enough of the jibber-jabber here. Let's get into these game recaps from this week. We had three games. We had one against the Isles, one against the Caps, and then a second game against the Islanders. First game against the Islanders, the Flyers won 4-1. to one. Elliott went 29-30 of 30 in saves, played out of his mind well. Um, what What's your take on that, man? Seeing Elliott play that well, especially kind of, I shouldn't say at the expense of Talbot, but, you know, Elliot played well. I guess, uh, what's your take on that game? I mean, I, to me, that sums up Flyers hockey. When the goalie stands on his head and has a great game, the Flyers do well. When they need some help, it doesn't seem like the team is there to help them. I mean, the defense for stretches just was not there. I mean, he was just, there were barrages of shots. He was, you know, spinning around, standing on one skate, throwing his stick, you know, all this crazy stuff. It was just, like a circus. It did. <laughs> it did. So, yeah. So, I mean, but they got the win. And exactly. against at, at that point in the week, the Islanders, I believe, were number one in the Metro. Yep. Um, so it shows that the Flyers are competing with these top teams. For which, sure. Phenomenal, right? You yep. know? So then they play the Caps. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the Caps come out in the first period and just – the Flyers got shellacked. There's no two ways about it. Um, I believe it was five to five to nothing. Right. At one five to one. Yeah, five one. I think it was five nothing to start. Five right? nothing. Yeah. It was ugly. It was very very ugly, and you know, over to that game, you just get the sense that like this is what's happening every every time this happens, they come back, yep. but they're always just short of it. So they come back and it's five to three. They lose five to three. Right. Um, you know, what can you try to take from a game like that? What's that song? Who sang it? Jojo. It's just a little too late. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's what I'm karaoke about? hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I know exactly I just, what you're talking about. You know, I mean, you have to start the game when the first puck is thrown down on the ice. You know, I mean, they showed that they could eventually hang with them. But at that point, Washington isn't going full throttle either. You know? Oh, absolutely. And you've seen it in not just one, but two games with the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. Top right. team in the in the league. Um, they've they've overcome a deficit in which they dug themselves into to begin with. And the first time I believe they actually took them to overtime. You know, it, it's incredible the holes that this team digs and then has to end up clawing out of by the end of the game. And like you've mentioned, I mean, we say it over and over and over again, you know, so you have to imagine that they're saying it in the locker room all the time too. Like, Hey, start playing the game when the game starts. How about that? You almost, you'd almost like to be a fly on the wall in those in between periods, especially after the first period. Cause I mean, it's just the same story. Every time they come out slow in the first period, they end up finding themselves being down a goal or two, maybe even three or five in that case against Washington. I mean, right. so it's like, what do you think, I guess, to a little sidebar, like what do you think Gordon's telling these guys to get them back in the game? Oh, man. I, I don't even know. I mean, I just, I feel like he's probably got to just encourage them. I mean, he probably stays away from the sarcasm because – I coach middle school boys. I know that's not the same thing, uh, but I coach middle school basketball. And when you're coaching, you don't really – that sarcastic humor, it doesn't sit well. It doesn't inspire anybody. So he's probably just says, hey, boys, you know, they've gotten the best of us so far, but we can turn this around. You know, we have the talent and all that stuff. I guess it's something along those lines. And to some extent it works because they right. end up clawing back into it. Uh, you know, obviously they didn't win that one, but they've – brought themselves back into it uh, multiple times. Right. Um, and just, I guess, to touch on one last thing with that game, um, when was the last time the Flyers have actually played? I, I shouldn't say this, but how often is it that we see the Flyers play a full 60-minute game? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I would almost say that these uh, these Islander games – they're playing a full 60 because I think it's you can always count on the team to like play the last 40 for the most part. It's always when they're starting slow. Do you agree? Absolutely. It's it's been seen too many times where they start out the first period, just come out flat footed, not winning the battles, not getting the puck in deep and just making the simple mistakes that a team shouldn't be making. Right. Um, I got one more thing to say about this game, too. I can't wait to hear this. So I was sitting watching (laughs) watching the beginning of the game, and they showed Hartman. 
And then they ended up showing Tom Wilson. And I was like, I wonder if Hartman could be the Flyers' Tom Wilson at some point. I mean, someone could yell at me now, but he kind of has that same chippy style where, like, I feel if if he was able to produce a little bit more offense, he could be the kind of player that you could put on, like, a top six line, and he could just be, you know, like a pot stir. I I could see that. I You know, it, it poses an interesting scenario. Um where you know Hartman was a first round pick back in was it 2014 2015 I, I believe know off the top of my head yeah it back it was back when he was drafted let's just say that yeah <laughs> and i mean the guy was drafted in the first round for a reason so there's no reason to think that he can't contribute at a top 6 you know production rate really right yeah um so i'm sorry go ahead no 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 go all right, so I was just going to move along here to the last game of the week that we're going to touch on, which was the game last, the game against the Islanders, the second game of the week against the Islanders, and the one that everybody will know because of the Voracek, um, let's call it just situation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've, I personally have had it out with a few people uh, right. through text messages, through Twitter, whatever it may be. Um, John, what? is your take on the hit between Voracek and Boychuk? So I've watched it a few times and I had to watch it with the Islander commentary the first few times. And that paints a whole different light. Oh, he like... killed him! <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, it looks like an interference gone wrong. I mean, it just looks like he was interfering with the play and Boychuk just ran into the wrong spot of his body and the injury made it worse, in my opinion. I mean, I just feel like it was a two-minute minor for interference that shouldn't have been called a major but did because of the after effect. What about you? What do you think? I couldn't agree more. I think that the fact that Boychuk was injured played into the decision-making behind the penalty. Um, you know, it's what, what's, what's Jake supposed to do there? Right. You know, the guy's in a beeline heading right towards him. And yeah, people are going to say he's going to play the puck. Like, sure. Is he though? Because from the camera angle, it looks pretty clear that he's heading at the guy. Right. You know, he wants to hit Voracek. Right. I mean, even if he's not though, like, even if he is going for the puck, like he, he's going to hit Voracek. Like it's going to happen. Voracek isn't looking at it like, Oh, boy, just playing for the puck. He's looking at like, dude, this guy's coming at me. And when you're Voracek, you've got two realistic opportunities here. I shouldn't say opportunities. You've got two realistic, you know, things you could do. You could either do exactly what he did and brace himself with the full mass of his back. Whereas if he wouldn't have moved, he could have gotten clipped on his right side and I mean it could have spun around he could have gotten hurt either way but he decided to brace for it and he went in with his entire back did it hit Boychuk in the head sure we could say that you know but at the same time if you're in his position what are you gonna do are you gonna just you know let him try to steamroll you or are you gonna put something there that you know he's gonna remember oh I shouldn't do that next time (laughs) right i mean and you know i feel very don cherry saying this but like hockey's a physical game yeah i mean things like this happen you know i don't really see how voracek could have made a better choice here you know it's unfortunate that boychuk got hurt 
you don't want to see that happen to anybody, even if you don't like the Islanders like me. Um, of course. So I just don't see how he could have avoided what happened. You know, his movements, he had to do what he had to do. Yeah, he could have taken, you know, a couple more strides over to his left, of course. Right. Could this whole situation have been avoided? Sure. But we're not him. We're not you're not Borachek, I'm not Boychuk. Like we can't sit here and tell you what they were thinking at that exact moment. Right, so Voracek made the play based right. on what he thought was best at the situation. Right. And he also doesn't have the privilege of hindsight like we do. You know, yeah. we we all do things in the moment that we wish we could have done differently. So Oh yeah. Do you think he gets suspended? I hope not. I think the five minutes were was was enough i think the five minute penalty was enough um you know i i'm on the side of i think five minutes was a little too much but you know it is what it is and there's nothing we can do or say that's going to change that i think the five minutes was enough and that if if this is resulting in a suspension i it wouldn't surprise me i should put it that way (laughs) yeah i mean you know the crazy thing about the department of player safety is there's no consistency like look at malkin what he did to raffle Right, that was a game suspension. Oh God! So now, if you suspend Voracek for a game, you're saying that that's equivalent to Malkin almost taking off Raffle's head. It's it's a slippery, slippery slope, and especially with the type of play that made Peter Forsberg so famous, we should say, because Forsberg did that all the time. A guy's gonna come in to try to check you. He's gonna brace himself and try to hit you back. Right. I say I see nothing wrong with it. I you know. And it sounds like you don't either. I don't. Uh, you know, it's could it have been avoidable? Yes, but was it avoided? No. That's the fact of the matter, and it's done. What's done is done. Let's move on. <laughs> right. It should make for an interesting contest um, whenever they play again later in the month, I believe, because you yes. can see Boychek being uh, dragged off the ice, going, "I'm gonna get you." Oh yeah. So. He sounds like the Wicked Witch, you know. I'll get you and your little dog, you know. He might have been talking about Giroux <laughs> or Konechny, I don't know. <laughs> but, but anyway, so, games this week. <laughs> the Flyers went 2-1, and one, yep. uh, beating the Isles twice, losing to the Cavs. For you, how does the outcomes affect your mindset when talking about the playoffs? Um, well, if nobody, if you didn't listen to last week, I said that I don't expect them to make the playoffs and I still am sticking to that. I just think it's too big of a deficit. I mean, right now I'm looking at the standings. They're behind Columbus, five points behind Columbus for the second wild card, but they also would have to beat out Montreal who also has 79 points. They're too good at teams. I just don't see them jumping over both of them with what, 14 games left? Is that how much is left? 14? I believe so, 14. And we only play three non-playoff teams. We play Ottawa, the Rangers, and the Blackhawks. Yeah. And, I mean, they've showed you that beat a team like New York that's leading the division, which which is great, you know. But when you think of if they do make the playoffs, they're going to be playing one of two teams, realistically. It's going to be Tampa Bay or it's going to be Washington. The Flyers haven't shown me that they're capable of beating them in a seven-game series this year. And I stand by what I said last week as well. As much as I would love to see this team make the playoffs, get these kids a little bit of experience, what would 
what good would that experience be if it's just another first round exit? What are you going to learn? Are you going to learn the desire not to lose? Like that should be instilled in you from when you're a child. You know, that's, that's not, <laughs> right. not something that you just acquire. Like nobody likes to lose. I'm, I'm competitive as the next guy and I hate losing, but you know, you're going to gain nothing from a first round exit against a team like Tampa or Washington in my, um, in my opinion, at least. Right. I mean, I listen, if they make the playoffs, like I don't think that playoff experience is a bad thing regardless. True. Um, you know, I just, and if they were to make the postseason, they'd be coming in as one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Cause I think they could only lose like two or three more games in regulation and still make the postseason. I mean, I saw somebody who gets into numbers say that on Twitter. Um, I saw that too. Yeah. <laughs> so they'd be one of the hotter teams. So I don't think, but I still don't think that they would beat a Tampa Bay or a Washington, but I think that the competitiveness would be there where the young kids would still get a great experience. I just, I just don't see it happening. I mean, yeah, they beat the first place. I'm doing air quotes, Islanders uh, twice, but they've also lost to teams like Ottawa before. So, yeah, that's true. And you know, it's, it's like I, I've always said this before. The Flyers are very susceptible to playing up to their competition, but just as susceptible to playing down to their competition. I agree, a hundred percent. So it's, it, are, it did, did you give a definite answer? Are they making the postseason or no? What are you saying? I will say no. I, I and um, it's just it's too late yeah. right now. They're making an an amazing push, um, but it it's just too late. Right. I mean, we're just used to this now. I mean, whenever I talk about the Flyers with non-Flyer fans, they're always like. Oh, they're on a hot streak. They're one of the hottest teams in the NHL or the other way. Oh man, they haven't won a game in like a month. You know, they're just streaky. They have to develop a little bit more consistency before we can start viewing them as a playoff team. Absolutely. You know, and that's, I, I agree with you 100%. So with that being said, let's move on. Moving on. And let's, let's get to, there was this article that I'm assuming you read it as well. I did. I edited yes, it, it, actually. That's right. You are the editor now. That's right. <laughs> uh, wait, let, me, let me correct that. Actually, I didn't edit it because it was perfectly written. I just scheduled it through an image on there, and then that was that. Now, pardon my French here, but I believe you're kissing some ass right there. Always. <laughs> Whenever the opportunity presents itself. <laughs> but regardless, that article was written by our guest this week. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing for the first time on the Pot Street Bullies podcast, Ryan, please go ahead. Tell us where we can find you, my friend. Is Ryan there? Paging Ryan. Ryan. Ryan Boyd. Ryan. Ryan Boyd. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? There he is. There he is. Hey, man. Good to hear from you. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Hey, um, we we um we read your Couturier piece. Yeah. Uh, I I've. I've written articles about Couturier, and he's one of my favorite guys to follow. I absolutely enjoy following his career, especially with how it's blown up the past year. Um, but And we'll get to your piece. I want you to know I'm very interested in talking to you about it. But we also want to get your opinion on a few other things. You got um, first off, this, is always, this has been a hot topic since he's been acquired. We've gotten Cam Talbot from the Oilers. And recently, he's made one start and come into a relief appearance, I believe. What um, 
why why do you think Ryan they're playing Elliot if they want Talbot as the backup to Carter Hart next year? I believe that you know Talbot is more for the future. I don't think he's more for right now, um, especially with the Flyers still in the playoff race. Um, with the way Elliot's playing, there's really no reason to you know sit him down and and get Talbot to start. I mean, if the Flyers were mathematically out or they felt that they couldn't make a push. Um, at the end of the season here, then yeah, Cam, Cam Talbot probably does get um, a few more starts in net so far. But right now, I mean, you, you got to look at the way Brian Brian Elliott's played. You know, ever since coming back from injury, he's been a big key for the Flyers in their push for the playoffs. You know, he went 2-0-1 in the month of February in five games played. He stopped 161 of 173 shots. I mean, you know, Brian Elliott has the hot hand right now. And when you're a team trying to make the playoffs, you have to go with the hot hand. Cam Talbot is somebody that the Flyers, I believe, will re-sign um, free agency because of the w- relationship he has with Carter Hart. And he'll be a solid 1B for the Flyers. He'll be the, a solid 1B, be a solid a mentor for Carter Hart, some, you know, someone who can help Hart grow. I mean, you got to remember, Carter's only you know 20 years old, so he's still got a lot to learn in Talbot. He's been in the league for a little while, so he can definitely help out in that regard. Man. You came prepared. Wow. Like, I mean, don't, and don't take that the wrong way. Like, I, I knew you would. I We've had plenty of discussions before, and you know your stuff, obviously. Yeah. But man, just the stats and everything. Bang, bang, bang. Dude, uh, thank you. Like, that you got it. That'll automatically bring in credibility to our podcast, and we love this. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a follow-up question for Ryan. You got yes. it. So – you mentioned though that Talbot, he's an unrestricted free agent, and you think they're going to re-sign him. Don't you think that they should see what they have in him before they go? Because who knows what kind of money he's going to ask for? I mean, in my opinion, you you want to see more of him before you uh, go and shell out any sort of money. Because right now, Brian Elliott's saying, "Hey, he'd be a good one." B. No, I agree. But the thing with Elliott is, like, he's older. He's no, you know, he's not a young guy. Yeah, he's injury prone. Now, you saw last night he almost got hurt on that shot. That shot that got uh, Boulder got waved off. The puck ended up in the back of that. He went down. Jimmy McCross had to come on the ice. I think everybody was kind of holding their breath there, but at the same time was like, well, at least we got Cam Talbot. But he ended up being fine. And as far as I know, he's all right. But I do believe that um, you're right. I, you got a great point. You know, I think the Flyers they have to find out what they have in Talbot. But in a way, I feel like they already know what they have in him. You know, he's he's not you know new to the league. You know, right. uh, people know what you know. He's capable of. Uh, he's had he had a good few seasons with Edmonton. Rough, rough season with them this year, but that doesn't mean that he's going downhill. You know, everybody goes through a few bumps in the road. So I think at the same time, they kind of know what they have in him already. And like I said, once the Flyers get mathematically eliminated, or they start going way, way downhill, you'll see Talbot in between the pipes, or at, at least the one B. I'm right. loving the optimism. Right. I, I love it. I, I'm, I'm on board with John. I think that, you know, I, I wrote a piece, I guess, two weeks ago now that just kind of delved into why, you know, obviously Talbot was acquired because we know what he's capable of. We know he can be a great backup when asked of being a backup. We know he can be a great starter. Um, and is it is his career trending downwards right now? It appears so. But right. there's no reason to think he can't reclaim that top spot or the, reclaim how good he was. You know, with the Rangers in relief of Hank or with the Edmonton Oilers when he made the playoffs with them for the first time since 2006. Right. And I think that, again, you know, like, listen, Talbot, we know he's not going to be the starter next year. It's Carter Hart all the way, 100 percent. 
So I think Talbot knows. And he said, even when he, you know, got traded, what have I, what have I been okay coming here if I didn't believe I had a future here? No. So he does, I think he does believe he has a future here. And honestly, in my personal opinion, I believe he has a future with the Flyers too. I hope he can make it work. I really do. And the, like you said, the price tag does need to be right. But, you know, if it is and he can come in and be a serviceable backup to Carter Hart, I, I'm all on board for it. Um, so moving on from that, you know, great insight there. We also want you, I guess, for those that have not read your Sean Couturier piece, if you can sum it up in about 30 seconds. Ready, go. Go for all it. All right. Well, first of all, Couturier, I mean, he's a – you know, a great all-around player. He's, a, I think he's an underrated leader in the locker room on and off the ice. Um, you know, everybody thinks really highly of him. And I actually have a quote here. I talked to Scott Gordon a few weeks ago after the Tampa Bay loss, lost to Tampa Bay. And he was so high on Couturier. You know, he, he said he's a 200-foot player. He's valuable because of the fact he can produce and mostly at the same time play against the team's top lines. You know, he's able to play on the power play, kill penalties, win faceoffs. He said there's really not much more you can ask for. And I think that's exactly right. I mean, since January 1st, I got a stat here for you. In 30 games played for Sean Couturier, he has 36 points, 14 goals, 22 assists, 36 points. The in man the month clearly. of February, he averaged 21 minutes and 58 seconds. He's second on the whole team this year in total ice time. I think we're finally at the point in Sean Couturier's trajectory that we're seeing what he's capable of. We, we we knew what he was capable of when they drafted him in the first round. Um, he put up multiple or consecutive, I think it was 96-point campaigns in juniors uh, in the QMJHL. And yeah. he was just known as being this stud on offense. Yeah. No one really knew how good he was going to be on defense um, until he showed up and just stymied the, some of the top lines that the Penguins had that year that the Flyers played them in the playoffs. And it, he frustrated the hell out of them, which was incredible from a Flyers fan standpoint. Um, elaborate a little bit for us, I guess, it, coming personally from you, the way you see Sean Couturier, how important is he to this team? I think he's extremely important, both you know offensively, defensively, pretty much on all aspects of the game, the power play, the penalty kill. And like I said, you need a guy to step up, and he's been that guy. I mean, he's probably been the Flyers' best player here in the second half. Um, like I said, a big reason the Flyers are still in this thing. Uh, without his, you know, just massive production, uh, the Flyers, they're probably out of this thing. And we're probably not talking about this. I'm probably not writing that article. Um, <laughs> he's, he's extremely valuable to the team, and he will be, I think, for a long time. And um, like I said, the future is definitely bright, and Katoria is going to be a big part of that. I agree. Uh, how about you, John? What do you think, man? What do you th what's his importance to the team for you? Well, he's the number one center on the team. I mean, he's your first line center. I think he's a big leader. And what I love most about Sean Couturier is you could put him anywhere, like in any situation. You know, he could play anything. He could play, you know, your top line center. He could play on the power play. He could play in the penalty kill. You could just call on him for any minute. And players like that. They just they come a dime a dozen, and I don't really care if NHL Network doesn't want to spend any time on him. I mean, he's one of the more valuable pieces on any team, in my opinion. I agree. I think that you know the lack of exposure. I shouldn't say it hurts him, but it doesn't do him any favors. Um, you know, is he 
last year, what, he came in second or third in Selkie voting, I yeah. believe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and it's been a long time coming. We knew that Sean Couturier was going to end up like a Patrice Bergeron, um, I believe, winners before him. I mean, it's been a while since someone other than Bergeron has won that award. But <laughs> do you see Couturier becoming a mainstay in the Selkie conversation moving forward here? Uh, John, we'll start with you. Yes, I don't see how you don't. I mean, if you just look at his play, the evidence on the ice, he seems like he's going to be a Selkie candidate for, I mean, as long as he can play in his prime. I personally think he should win this year, and I don't even care who the rest of the uh, candidates are. I like that. <laughs> I like that answer a lot, actually. No, but, <laughs> um, in, but in all seriousness, I mean, I just, I look at somebody with his ability and the importance that he that he brings to the ice, right? And just how he can do it offensively, defensively on the special teams. I just don't know how you don't award him a Selkie in my opinion. You're right. I think obviously to Flyers fans, we see it, right. you know, we see right. him game in game out and how he plays and we know how good he is on defense. Um, we're seeing his offense, his offensive side really um, grow and really take that next step. And Ryan, uh, let's go to you for this. Um, same question, really. Uh, do you see him being a mainstay in the Selkie conversation moving forward here? Personally, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, actually, I believe that he's played better defensively this year than he did last year. I know that's, a, that's you know, um, that's a big upgrade because he played really well defensively last year. But I just think this year he's been just an overall better player and, and that's big for him because he had a good year last year and I think that I don't really think anybody else really deserves it more than he does especially just the way he's really he had a really slow start to October not you know good offensively not good defensively but man has he really turned it up since really December and just really helped the Flyers I mean with, like I said I'll go back to it again without him we're not talking about this and he's been a, a huge key to the Flyers success of late and I really do believe uh, he's here to stay for the, you know, in a selfie conversation. Great. And I think the last thing I'll add to that is that, uh, you know, his October wasn't phenomenal, but l what flyer had a good October, right. you <laughs> no, know, it's, and it, <laughs> it's, it's sad to say, but they got such a slow start that I think most of the players performances really suffered because the team as a whole suffered. Um, and perfect segue into the next segment here to get somebody that could help alleviate that and to get somebody that could turn this team into a legitimate Stanley cup contender in our minds between John and I, we have two people that could really help this club out next year. And it is Matt Duchesne and Artemi Panarin. So we both know all, all three of us here know they're going to be unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. Yep. So Ryan, I want the most realistic choice for the Flyers this offseason between Duchesne and Panarin. Realistic or who do I want? Realistic. We'll get to who you want, but we want a realistic – who's got the most realistic chance of joining the Flyers this offseason? Realistic, I believe it's Matt Duchesne. I believe that he uh, has a better chance of coming to Philly than Panarin. Um, Panarin, you know – 
doesn't, I don't think, really wants to come to Philly at this point. But it, there's a good chance he could change his mind. You know, depending on how the Flyers finish here, um, if he sees, you know, that this team is something special and he wants, you know, to come aboard, hey, I'm all for it. But I think Duquesne is probably the most realistic choice this, you know, in free agency for the Flyers. I think he's more willing to sign here than Panarin will be. Okay. And if you were to put a number to that, um, years and the amount on his contract, what do you think that would be? Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm not so sure about the money, but I would say I could definitely do years. And I would probably say, I mean, probably five or six. Okay. The Flyers, I mean, I just don't want to get into that thing. I mean, you look what they did with Jake Vorchek. What was it, eight years and a boatload of money? And look where they're at now with him. He's still producing. That's great and stuff. But at the same time, the Flyers, he's still got, like, what, four or five more years left on his contract? Yep. And they just won't be able to move. So I feel like if, you know, having – putting five to six years on that contract kind of gives the Flyers a window. They don't overdo it. You know, if, if he ends up not being the guy who they, you know – thought he was going to be they don't screw themselves right off you know right out of the gate you know what i'm saying oh absolutely i think that's a great take and i i agree you know i think that there definitely is a window with this team because they've got so many young players coming up through um that you know some of them are starting to pan out guys like pro rock guys like sandheim you know you've got it I, that's just the blue line there but you've got the guys that are panning out um and I, john i want to go to you now i guess for you i we talked about this last week. I know who personally you would want on this team, but realistically, all bias aside, who do you see as being a part of this Flyers team next year if it came down to Duchesne or Panarin? Well, let me paint a picture for you, boys. So, <laughs> the season is over. We didn't make the postseason just like myself and Derek predicted. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, we're thinking about head coach. And we decide that we want to go big fish, and we bring in Quenville, who used to coach the Chicago Blackhawks, the same team that Panarin used to play for. <laughs> and he gives Panarin a phone call, and he's like, hey there, bud, because I call you bud. We're really good friends. <laughs> I call, hey there, bud. I'd love to have you come over here and be one of the leaders on this team. And then Panarin's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Get Fletcher on the phone for me. In all seriousness, though, I do think that there is a realistic chance that the Flyers get Panarin. I mean, especially if they get Quenville, which is going to happen, and we'll probably talk about that later in some other podcast. But when we make that commitment to, yeah, we're going big time here, I just I think he's going to be all about it. Um, I look at other teams that he'd probably be interested in. I mean, he wants to go to a big market, so there's probably like New York – Los Angeles, but we have to remember that the Flyers are a big market team. You know, people outside yeah. of Philadelphia know the Flyers. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. So, I like that thing. So I just think that we can be put in that same discussion. I mean, you would have put Vegas in there too, but now with Stone, they're not going to bring in Panarin either. Well, except now that yeah. I said it, they're going to find some <laughs> crazy way. But I just, I just feel like we're a big market team where – uh, moving in the right direction, right? We're going to, if say we bring in Quenville, we have somebody he's familiar with behind the bench. I think it becomes a very appealing place for him to go. I agree. I think that you look at the core the Flyers have right now, and it was heavily criticized 
uh, before the trade deadline and when they were losing, when they were going through their their strifes, when they were going through the hard times in the season. But you've got a pretty solid core of players right there, led by a guy like Claude Giroux, Captain Claude, who I will defend until I die. That is the hill I will die on. <laughs> but the the team is not that far off when you think about it. I mean, as as hard as it may seem to think, you've got guys like JVR who he's going to be your net front presence. The guy's chipped in about 20-something goals this year, just pretty much solely from being in front of the net. Guys like Giroux who just – he's an all-around player. The guy's going to assist on goals. He's going to snipe them. Voracek can help, you know, lay those dirty hits if you want to call him that. <laughs> but we won't delve into that. I apologize. Oh, That's my wow. Let's retract that. I don't believe that, but we'll go on. Um, Couturier. Couturier is the future of the Flyers down the middle. The guy is going to be our 1C for a long time as long as nobody gives up on him. Um, so knowing, I guess, you guys realistically what you think, let's go with your mind. Let's go with your heart. John, reiterate to us, please, who you want out of Duchesne and Panarin. <laughs> well... well- I want Panarin, and I mean, I've gone over the reasons why. I mean, I just think as far as a highly skilled winger, which we could really freaking use, I mean, he's the top, he's the top dog. But also, remember, I cover prospects, so I'm looking at depth in the prospect pool, okay? And center is where we have, hands down, the most quality depth. Right, so I'm thinking of people like Morgan Frost, German Rubstoff when he's healthy, you know, and I just don't know if Duchesne necessarily fits into the picture as well as Panarin would. I just think he would be putting a you if you sign Duchesne, then you're going to say, okay, he's going to be your second line center, so Patrick's going to be your third line center, which I don't. I mean, I'd like to see him at second line by next year. I just think where are you wiggling with that? Where then you're younger centers can then come in and fill a role. You're right. So I, the center depth is incredible. So, and please yeah. keep going. Well, just from a, <laughs> just from a fit standpoint, I just, I would just rather see Panarin. I mean, I think they're both great players. I think that Panarin's just a step ahead of Duchesne. And I just think he makes more sense than throwing a ton of money at Duchesne, which I think he'll, he deserves. It's just, I don't know if he, he should be here. And Ryan, you're right. I agree with everything you just said. Honestly, that's why I asked when you asked when you asked the question. If you were asking who I would realistically think comes to the Flyers, or who do I who do I want? When it comes to who do I want, it's Artemi Panarin. The Flyers need a guy who's willing to shoot the puck, who's not afraid to shoot the puck. In that you know final minute, down one, you know last minute of play, like six on five. You feel like there's never the Flyers just don't have that guy. They're all looking to make that fancy pass. And Panarin, he's got more of a willingness to shoot than Duchesne. I mean, Duchesne, both guys can score. Flyers, I mean, but overall, Panarin, you know, overall. And listen to this. I, I have more stats here. So over the last yes. season, over the last <laughs> over the last two seasons, in goals, assists, points, and games played, Panarin leads in all categories except goals. And that's only, but he's down by three to Duchesne, who has 55 over the last two seasons. Panarin has 52. But shots wise, 
over the past two seasons. Panarin has 397. Duchesne has 336. I'm going with Panarin. I feel like the fly, he's just got such a skill set. He's also a playmaker, another playmaker, but he's also not scared to shoot the puck, and I think the Flyers, they, they need a guy who's willing to shoot the puck. Give the man the key to the city. I say, you know what? Let's just <laughs> give him what he wants. Give him a Bryce Harper kind of deal. Right, right. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> and and make sure he waits. Make sure he waits until training camp right, until to sign it. <laughs> right. Smart move, right? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I I agree 100% with you guys. I think that realistically, Duchesne is probably the guy that they're going to go after. Fletcher hasn't really shown that he's willing to spend big yet. Obviously, he hasn't been through a free agency period yet. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. It's going to be an interesting offseason no matter what because so many people have said that they expect the Flyers to make these big moves and contend and – uh, it, it's going to be fun. Um, but I think that my heart, along with Ryan, your heart, and John, your heart, I want Panarin because he's it, – it's – I guess you could call it that killer instinct where he knows to shoot the puck. Uh, it, it's in, I, I should say last night, uh, Konechny on the two-on-one last night on a breakaway actually shot the puck and he scored near side. Oh, that's great. It was right? great. Not short side. Like, we need more of that. We need more guys that are going to say, screw it, I'm shooting the puck instead of making that extra pass to try to catch the goalie out of position. Like, that's what we need. Um, but anyways, Ryan, um, this this was great. We loved having you here. Um, please tell us where we can find you on Twitter, where we can uh, – everything. Just give your plug right now. Let us know where we can find you, man. Well, most of my work, obviously, is on Twitter. Uh, rboyd0105. Again, that's rboyd, R-B-O-Y-D, 0105. That's where you guys can find me on Twitter. I live tweet pretty much every game. Uh, I cover the Phantoms, too. And, um, you know, I, I almost, you know, I do a lot of articles, and all my articles are on there, too. And obviously, you know, give a uh, follow to you guys and uh, the Philly Sports Network as well. Awesome, man. Listen, we are so happy you could come on with us this week. Um, we really appreciate you taking your time and talking to us, giving us those stats especially, and uh, plugging that article as well. The Sean Couturier article is up on PSN right now. Uh, please check it out. It, it, it's a very well-written article, um, and I couldn't agree with more with every point. Um, but again, thank you, Ryan. We appreciate having you on, man. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on soon again as well. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. All right, see you, Ryan. All right, see you guys. All right, man. That was – I'm getting real better at, like, getting people on and then getting people off and making it a very seamless transition. Yeah, you almost went down that road <laughs> again, though. You you get this, like, little sappy side to you where you're just like, I'm just so thankful that you came on and it's it's just so important that you're here. And you, you reeled it in a little bit this time. I like it. You got to think though, like we are new, so like we got to show the appreciation. Like we got to let people know how thankful we are. Yeah, but you also don't want to get too sappy, man. I look, I, I'm not Liam, but I'm pretty sappy. I'm aware. <laughs> but anyways, so we talked about this before we got on here. We talked about this all week leading up to it. You've got something on your mind that you want everybody to know, and I can't wait to hear you go off about this. So please, John. The platform is yours. 
All right. Go right ahead. So, I am the prospect guy at PSN, which means that my biggest opinions go on prospects. Now, unlike other prospect people, and I fully respect those, I don't dive too much into like the nitty gritty things. I just take a look at a player. I take a look at their numbers. And then I say, Hey, will this person be a good NHL player? Should we be high on them or should we not? That's just how I view things. I want to talk about somebody who once he was drafted, was given the stigma of a poor skater, Matt Strom, the third Strom brother. When he was drafted in 2017 in the fourth round, Scout scouters just paint this beautiful picture of somebody who can shoot the puck and he's got great hockey sense and great vision and he's physical and he's got a big body. Oh, but he can't skate. And everybody goes, oh, no, how are you going to play hockey if you can't skate? <laughs> I want everybody to stop thinking like that now. Will Matt Strom ever be the greatest skater in the world no but guess what he's doing fine all right he's able to pull off deeks that make the the opposition fall onto the ice he's a great playmaker and the guy puts up points okay this year it, for hamilton in the ohl he has 28 goals and 51 assists that's 79 points in 66 games and that's a little bit different than last year because last year and even the year before he was goal heavy because this kid's got a wicked shot. I mean, he can really light the lamp. He had 37 goals last year and he had 34 goals the year before. But this guy is showing that he can just contribute offensively. And if you watch him play, like actually watch him play, the poor skating thing isn't really, you can't even see it anymore. But people always jump back to that because somebody said it like three or four years ago. So I want everybody from now on, after you listen to this, to stop viewing Matt Strom as somebody who, yeah, he had, a, he had pretty good talent, but he's never going to make it in the pros. And look at him as a future NHLer. I think that this guy can do some serious damage in like that middle six on the wing. At some point. I mean, he's going to spend a few years in the AHL developing. I mean, the Stroms have kind of proven that they're uh, slow developers. But he's going to be a good NHL player. Whew! Okay. So, to piggyback off of that, you've got Matt Strom, Ryan Strom, and Dylan Strom. Yep. The brother Strom. The, the brother Strom. Of the brother Strom. Potential wise, and the, the the final finished polished product, where would you rank Matthew amongst the other three? If you can give me that ranking, um, all three have developed, and you've yeah. got a final product. So, Ryan Strom is a first overall pick, and Dylan Strom was a first overall pick. I believe Dylan Strom was the third overall pick the McDavid year. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, he was picked up by Arizona. Yeah, third overall. Yep. So one of the things that I always look at is where they were drafted. I always kind of weigh that with potential. Um, so I do think that they could be a step ahead of Matt. 
you know, kind of like a, a top line eventually, let's let's say. Which makes sense. But I don't think Matt's going to be, like, substantially behind them. You know, like I mentioned, I think that he could be in the middle six. I don't ever see him being a top top line forward, but he's one of those guys that really could put the puck in the net, and if you have a great playmaking center, you know, cough, cough, Morgan Frost, um, <laughs> I think he could do some serious damage. So if we're ranking Stroms, I mean, I'm not going to put him at the top, but I don't think it's going to be to the point where, you know, he's so far behind his brothers either. I agree. I think Matthew Strom, and I am by no means a, a prospect guru like our man John here, um, but I will say that in the limited amount of time that I've seen Matthew Strom play, um, he's been great. And I think that a middle six designation would fit him wonderfully, um, and it, it'd be very welcome with the fun because they could use guys like that. They could use guys in the middle six. Their top line should be solidified after next year, especially <clears throat> if they get Panarin. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's it, obviously it remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, I I applaud you on your rant. I, I thank you because so many times you look at these guys and you see the Twitter, you see everybody saying, Matthew Strom's doing well, or Ole Lysol, or this guy, that guy, these prospects that we've heard at the draft, that we know, and everybody blows out of proportion, and it's like, do we want the blown out of proportion, or do we want the the, the realistic, you know, this is what this guy's capable of, and knowing that we have a guy like you, John, that can say, hey, no, not going to be a, a, a top pairing guy, he's not going to be a top three guy, but he'll be a solid middle six guy. Like, it's nice to get that, I should say, like a reality check, kind of. Right. Well, you know, I think, too, like, scouting, first of all, I mean, it's incredible what these guys pick up. I mean, part of what I do is look at scouting reports. I don't actually scout. Maybe someday, Liam. <laughs> as, of, <laughs> as of right now, I mean, I'm just looking at other people's scouting reports, and the things that they're able to see is incredible. However, right a lot of the things that these people are saying are in their draft year or the year, you know, after they get drafted, it's not always up to date. And it's typically three or four people that actually say it. And then everybody else is just repeating what that fat scout said. So you're seeing poor skater over and over and over again with Matthew Strom, but maybe two or three of those people actually noticed that. And who knows when that was actually said, you know? you're right uh, it's a stigma that obviously right off the bat people hear that and then so that's what sticks with them throughout their entire junior career until they get to a more visible platform like the ahl or even the nhl and that's when people can make their own call about it and say yeah he's a bad skater or no he's actually a great skater you know and it's it people will make their for own the record i did not say he's a great skater he'll be all right He'll survive, for the record. Yeah, there's much worse out there, we should say, like myself. <laughs> but anyways, to close out, I guess uh, we started this last week where we wanted to get some questions from people on Twitter. Um, whether it was Twitter, uh, we have yet to start a Facebook, which we're definitely in the works of doing as well. Um, but we fielded a couple questions for some people, um, and we're going to give some responses. 
Um, first question, let's jump right in. Um, a friend of mine, actually, uh, his name's Kale. He asked, looking, I should say, quote, looking forward to next year, what kind of impact do you think for all this time? He says he thinks that he could start on the third line next year, but be a points guy that uh, he finishes the year on the second line. So putting up enough points that he gets bumped up to the second line. Um, he says the team needs young and affordable scoring punch. Uh, I guess this would probably be a better suited question for you, John. Please give us your take on that. All right. So the question part of this is what kind of impact do you think Frost has on the team? Is that yes. kind of what we're going with here? He wants to know, looking forward to next year, what kind of impact do you think Frost has on the team? And Kale's opinion is he'll start on the third line, end up getting sent to the second line based on point production. Uh, so I think he's going to remain on the third line. I think that if they do the right thing and get Panarin right on the wing, um, he'll be your third line center. And I think that's where he'll stay. I just think that what he's accomplished at center, you know, his playmaking ability, you put, you know, any of your other wingers. I mean, who would be a winger who would be on the third line with him, do you think? Maybe JBR? Maybe Lindblom. Put, uh, put Lindblom with him? Boom. That kid's already oh. taken, you know, a jump. I think it'd be fantastic. Um, I Yeah, I mean, like I've said on Twitter, on this podcast, Morgan Frost is going to be on this team. As long as they don't like panic and get another center to fill that three C void, which I mean I guess would be Duchesne and he'd be two C and then you put Nolan Patrick at three C, then Morgan Frost will be your third line center. And unless he completely proves me wrong, I think that's where he'll remain. Perfect. For uh, next I year, couldn't anyway. agree more. Yeah, Frost obviously we all know has a very bright future. Um, we've now, seen. Now, I'm sorry to cut you off, but also the organization's going to have to look at it as, is Morgan Frost going to be a center on this team? I mean, I personally think he will be, but if you look at, you know, your one-two center, your future one-two center, it'll be Couturier and Patrick, right? Are they then going to go, well, Morgan Frost down the road could be a top six winger? then maybe they decide to start putting him on the wing because that's where they see him in the NHL. That is a very realistic up, um, very realistic scenario there. Um, look at what they did with Giroux. Right. But I mean, I don't know. Giroux was a center for how long? Right. I mean, and now he's playing the left wing, and you've got a guy like Morgan Frost, who right now I'm currently trying to look up He's left hand, so he could play the right wing. Mm -hmm. And this is just me snowballing because sure. obviously I don't know what his preference is. We're but to do a left-handed shot playing the right wing makes sense, correct? Yep. So bear with me here. This is just me dreaming. Okay. But imagine Morgan Frost is, let's say, 22, 23 years old. Yep. And you've got a top line of him, Sean Couturier, and Claude Giroux. Hey, now. I've had dreams that aren't even that nice. Like uh, that just that to me right there. See, seems pretty awesome. Like I that's something I'd pay to see. Right. <laughs> uh, me too, man. And I mean, I'm very high on Morgan Frost. I mean, I think that this guy legitimately could be an elite player in the NHL. I mean, I know some people are a little hesitant cuz 
they feel like Hextall reached. But ever since he drafted him, he's been playing great. And I just don't see him turning away from that. You're right. Um, to move on here, we got yep. we had a couple questions here. Uh, this one, I won't say was centered around the Flyers. But it was a fun question nonetheless. Okay. I had a little fun with it at least. Um, Coos on Twitter <laughs> asked, Will there ever be a boy born who can swim faster than a shark? This is your question for sure, man. Go with it. I I will tell you exactly how I responded to it at the time. I told him that he needs to go see the movie Aquaman. Because uh-huh. hands down, I really think Aquaman swims faster than a shark. I could be wrong. I've never experienced in person a race between Aquaman and a shark. But... My senses are telling me that that guy can swim a heck of a lot faster than a shark can. Didn't Michael Phelps race a shark on Shark Week or something like that? Didn't Was that a thing or am I making that up? You're right, but it was fake. It wasn't an actual race because that shark probably would have ate him and that would have been <laughs> a lot more entertaining than the actual show. Right. <laughs> but well, they basically compared the time. I don't think he did. I can't remember exactly. I, I, I could be wrong. Oh. And we'll get another negative review on iTunes for it, but whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm looking at you, whatever. Check... I... I hey, you you were not I... prepared. You did not watch Un... the Discovery episode beforehand. <laughs> Unsubstantiated opinions. Like, hey, <laughs> you know what? I'm doing a motion right now you can't see, but I'm sure you know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so that's that was just a fun question. Like, yep. We'll field fun questions. It'll be a good time, you know. Um, this one gets a little more serious and John, again, this is aimed at you because you're the more serious guy in this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's the future, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The future for Sushko, uh, Maxime Sushko, um, he, Shane Moon, uh, asked this question. He said that he seems to have stagnated this year. Um, what's your take on Sushko's year so far? First of all, love Shane Moon. He's always a part of my uh, prospect mailbag. So thanks for getting involved in this too, Shane. Uh, I'm, I've moved on from Shushko. What I do is I always look at uh, prospects' junior years, and I always want to see them increasing their production, right? Because, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a pretty genius thing of you, John, to say, because of course you want to see an increase in production. But when you're looking at juniors, right, the level of competition, I mean, it's not great. So even phenomenal junior players who put up like two trillion points don't always turn into the greatest NHLers. But we can't do that. We can't just, you know, plug them into the NHL right away and go, oh, this is how they're going to be. So you have to look at their progression throughout their junior career. Okay, so in his first year with Owen Sound... Sushko had 32 points in 54 games. Not great. Whatever. It's his first year. Second year, he takes a huge jump to 60 points. So that's a 28-point jump. That's what you want to see. So it looks like he's grown, right? This year, for me, I was hoping to see him get to like that 75, 80-point range. He's at 48 in 59. So to me, like uh, Shane said, he stagnated, but that's a bad sign. And when you have such a deep prospect pool, 
it's so easy to get lost in that pool. I mean, look at Rubstoff. I mean, and he was a he was a first round pick. Sushko is a fourth round pick, but Rubstoff was a first round pick, and before he had like eight great games in the AHL, and then got hurt, everybody forgot about him. They were just ready to write him off, and I believe that Ron Hextall was ready to write him off too. So I just think that. This kind of year does no favors for Sushko, and he's going to have to have a phenomenal next season to even get back on the map. Is it possible? Yeah, of course, but I'm just, eh, he, he's somebody that I'm, I'm not really focusing my attention on right now. And it goes back to the fact that we know that all these guys are not going to develop into a top six role. Right. You know, it's just the fact of the matter. And what Sushko was a third, fourth round pick? Fourth. Fourth round pick. Uh, fourth, yep, 107th overall in 2017. So think of it this way. If you've got a guy like Maxime Sushko who comes onto a Flyers team that desperately needs a fourth or third potentially liner and he puts up 30 to 40 points, do you, do you get your money's worth with a guy like that? That's not bad. Right. It's not bad production for a third, fourth line guy. But I'm just saying, you know, as of right now, his junior production is isn't even showing a, you know, fourth, a third or fourth line NHL career. True. That's it, and it's less than encouraging. I should put. Um, right. If so, we're looking you know, at him right now, I mean, he can only go up from here in my mind. He's not Madish Tomek bad yet, but he's he's at a point where I'm just like. Yeah, he'll he'll hang out in the AHL until we just want nothing to do with him anymore. I hope he proves me wrong. I I only root for these guys to do well. I just I'm I'm not there right now. You're right, and some people are destined to be career AHLers. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's still much better hockey players than I could ever be. You know. So, for sure. <laughs> um, our, our last que- our last question for the week uh, comes from Christopher Malenga. And I apologize if I, you know, mispronounced it. Um, you can castrate me later for it. Um, he, he, this is meant for you, John. No one wants to ask me questions, which I find just perplexing. You can answer <laughs> this one too, man. I probably could, and I'll give my take after you do. But because this was meant for you, but he says, "What is your ideal decor next season?" He goes, "You can sign or trade for other players, but what is the most realistic possibility, and how do you think they will fare against the league?" You know what? I actually don't think much changes to the decor. Um, and I know no one wants to hear that. But <laughs> I, I just – so your top three defensemen, right, right now, I mean, disagree with me if you'd like, but we'll go Provorov, we'll go Gostaspir, we'll go Sanheim. Agreed. Okay. <laughs> then you have Phil, Meyer, I, uh... Phil Myers, right? Mm-hmm. Is going to be on the team. He's, I mean, and if yep. he's going to be on the team, you, you have to put him in a role. He can't be a seventh defenseman. Okay. Absolutely. You have your veteran blue liner, Radko Gudis. Okay. And then okay. you have Moran Haig. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping for Moran, but I just, the, if, if the Flyers were to go and make a move via trade or free agency, it would be for a veteran guy. But the reality is, is you don't need that. I mean, Provorov is an NHLer. Gostaspir is an NHLer. Gudis is an NHLer. Sanheim is an NHLer. So that's four 
you know, veteran slash, you know, proven NHL defenseman. I don't think they need to go out and waste cap space on somebody else. Okay. What do you think? I agree. I think, I think you're right. I think that there's too many options in house to go out and you're going to eventually, you're going to end up overpaying because that's what happens in trades. Exactly. You overpay to outbid the next guy. But right now we're looking at a top six of Sanheim and Provorov, which will presumably be the top pairing. Yep. Second pairing, at least in my opinion, should be a Myers ghost pairing. Yep. I think, and this could be an outdated um, mindset, but I think that having a puck moving defenseman with a solid, good defensive defenseman, you know, I think that kind of line it works for me i could be wrong and you could disagree with me but having both the best of both worlds on one line one defensive pairing i should say um works for me yep i agree with you and then the third pairing is where it gets tricky because you've got essentially four guys uh that could be battling it out for a bottom six role you've got gudis haig morin and now i'm gonna kibosh this right now mcdonald should be with the Stop. Phantoms next year. They're I, buying them I, out. I got, They're buying them out. Hey, awesome. Even better. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and nothing. The guy has been nothing but professional since he's joined the Flyers. I applaud him for that because it takes a lot of just, it takes a big man to be able to deal with the criticism that you've dealt with to this point and still go out there and at least try to perform. You know, uh, the five the five million probably makes it a little bit easier. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's sitting on a pile of cash. He's like Mr. Krabs right now. Like, <laughs> oh, money. You know? But uh, <laughs> but you've got Gudis, Haig, and Morin. So let, let, let's narrow it down to those three. Gudis, I don't see him coming out of the lineup. He's done enough to prove his worth. Right. Um, so it's down to Morin and Haig. Has Haig been great this year? No. Has he been okay? Let's put it that way. We haven't seen Morin play. Right. If he's going to sit the rest of this year, or at least play a couple games uh, with Lehigh Valley and be in game shape come the beginning of next year, there's no no reason for him to not be our sixth defenseman where we can sit a guy like Haig and even have him interchange. Like, I, right. I don't care. I want to see what Morin's got. I want to see him in the NHL playing minutes, even if it's 10, 15 minutes a game. So be it. I want to see that big guy on the ice. I want to see him clearing the crease. I want to see him making an impact in the defensive zone. That That's just me. So my top six, Sandheim, Provorov, Myers, Ghost, Gudis, and Morin. Right. That's that. But, for- and dude, like <laughs> – allow that spot to be up for grabs like that produces competition like yes <laughs> that's a good thing to have you know it's you have all these young defensemen make them fight for a position instead of overpaying somebody like anton strawman you know who sure will do great you know he's a great defenseman or he was a great defenseman i'll be honest i haven't watched much of him play <laughs> But yeah. you know he's gonna he's gonna demand money and we don't need him. 
he's just going to turn into another, you know, waste of cap space that we don't need. I would rather go, hey, we've got a pretty decent top four. That bottom six with Gudis will be fine. Moran, Haig, go for it. Friedman, show me something. Like, have that other spot up for grabs. I'm fine with it. And look what happened two years ago when they did. And they had guys like Morin, Haig, and Sanheim battling it out for that last spot. Like, that was good. You right. want that internal competition because then you're going to find out who wants to be there. And those guys are going to do the most to keep their spots. For sure. That's just – that's my take on it. Um, that really wraps up our, our Q&A segment, I should say. Uh, we'll call it our Q&A segment, you know. People right. ask us questions. We try to give our unsubstantiated opinions on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep bragging on that. I, I'm sorry. But, um, John, I got to ask, is there anything else you would like to either rant, talk, discuss? What What do you got here, man? Uh, no, man, I think that that's pretty good. You know, I mean, keep the questions coming. We really had to pull some teeth for these. You know, I mean, we know this is only the second week, but keep giving us questions. You know, the more questions we have, the more fun it is. Um, make sure that you subscribe to us on iTunes. Is that what it's called? Or is it called Apple Podcasts? I mean, I guess people uh, don't know what they're, what I'm talking about. Apple yeah. podcast, I guess is like the app. And then iTunes is kind of like the, the company, you know, I guess just to say like the umbrella, it falls under, right? Give us a rating, right? I mean, preferably a five star. Cause I mean, why not? And, uh, you know, even give us a review, make it a good review. And if you don't make it a good review, we respect that. We like constructive criticism. Just know that we're probably going to talk about it on the show. That's false. I'll find you every single one of you that writes a negative (laughs) review. I'll find every single one of you, man. The sensitivity of the world. I just, I wouldn't even go there. He's kidding. He's kidding. My bleeding heart, my bleeding heart. (laughs) (laughs) If you like us, great. Like I, This is what we started this for. We want people to listen. We want people to engage. We want to talk to you guys. We want to have some fun. If you don't like us, don't listen to us. Whatever. No, don't, it's don't not for everybody. I get that. Don't make that decision yeah. yet. Stop, Derek. Shut give, up. Give us, give us a few weeks. Are you there? Yeah. Give us a couple more episodes. I'm gonna have some, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you know what, Derek, you're breaking up, bud, so I think that I'm going to wrap this up. I'm not sure if you're still here. If you're here, you can tune in. I'm here. I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, a little bit. You're good now. Uh, Man, see, I'll tell you, this connection, I'll tell you what, dude. Yeah, (laughs) you're still choppy, so I'm going to wrap it up for us, brother. All right, so next week we are going to record. We'll probably be on your uh, your podcast waves on St. Patrick's Day, so you can listen to us while you're throwing a few back. If you have not followed us on Twitter, please follow us on Twitter at Pod Street ST, just the abbreviation Bullies. That's at Pod ST Bullies. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Derek, if you're with us, you have anything else you want to say? I have absolutely nothing to add other than yes i reaffirm what john just said follow us subscribe listen to us ask us questions have some fun with us all right well we're here so and we're here to have some good time
Yeah. So also, I'm going to start a GoFundMe page for Derek Bob's internet connection. John, if you would play, <laughs> so, because out, he's not making any sense. Well, <laughs> good idea. Very All right. Idea. Yeah. So you know. I'm going to let this go, but just so everybody else knows when they're listening to this. I agree. Derek has no idea that no one understands what he's saying for the past five minutes. This is ridiculous. All right. Bye now. Borderline ridiculous. I hate this damn thing.